The Isle of Man General Election 2021 coverage on Manx Radio. Good evening, it's seven o'clock. In two weeks' time, the chips will have fallen. We'll know who are the two NHKs for Glen Faber and Peel. For tonight, Glen Faber is where we are and Peel. Glen Faber extends down the middle section of the west coast of the Isle of Man, bordering Michael to the north, <coughs> middle to the east, Russian and Arbury, Castletown and Maloo to the south. It's made up of the parishes of German and Patrick. Glen Faber contains Timble Hill, arguably the most important place on the Isle of Man, where the Max Parliament has a special open-air session once a year. Situated on the west coast, Peel is the third largest town in the Isle of Man, some say a city, well it's the third largest settlement after Douglas and Ramsey, but the fourth largest settlement because Onken, regarded as a village, has more residents. Work it out. The constituency all takes, uh, also takes in a small part of Moround from the old middle constituency. When the Keys uh, was dissolved on the 12th of August, the MHKs for Glen Faber and Peel were Geoffrey Boot and Ray Harmer. Our candidates tonight are Geoffrey Boot, Trevor Cowan, Tim Crookall, Leo Cussons, Ray Harmer, Mikey Lee and Kate Lord Brennan. Mikey Lee is not with us tonight, but tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are live at Peel Golf Club. Ladies and gentlemen, to your candidates, Geoffrey Boot, why do you want to be MHK for Glen Faber and Peel? Good evening, Andy, and good evening, everyone. It's been an honour and a privilege to serve as one of the MHKs for Glen Faber and Peel for the last five years and as Minister for the Department of Environment and Agriculture. I live at the heart of the constituency, live and breathe the issues that affect us all and support local businesses and enterprise. I'm passionate about my current role within government, dealing with the environment, farming, fisheries and climate change particularly. I come from a varied business background and have used those skills in government to bring about change. My manifesto lays out my vision for the future. If re-elected, I will continue to work across government with fellow members, with local commissioners and listening to you, my constituents, to achieve better outcomes for everyone across the island and by working together, I believe that we can make the West the best. Trevor Cowan. Um, uh, good evening, Andy, and good evening everybody in the audience. Um, I'm well known as the man who uh, writes letters to the papers and I've been referred to as a campaigner for accountability and a serial petitioner of Timwald. In fact, I believe I'm the, the, I hold the record for the number of petitions I have submitted to Timwald. For those of voters who don't know me, I was born on Timwald Day. All of my ancestors were Manx. I'm a true Manxman and I'm proud to be so. I've lived in Peel for nearly 50 years with my wife, Alison, uh, who's an active member of the community. Uh, we have three children and four wonderful grandchildren who all live on the island. Uh, having spent the last 10 years or so fighting from the outside, I've decided to stand for election so if elected, I can fight for what I believe from, from the inside, where my voice could have more, much more influence. Tim Crookall. Thank you. I was due for re-election to the Legislative Council. I was not happy and hadn't been happy for some months with this present government. And I decided I had to make a decision as to whether to let my name go forward again for re-election or not. I was in no... Um, I was absolutely determined that we should have better in the West and this government wasn't performing correctly, so I thought the right thing for me to do was to stand down think about it for 15 months, look at it from the outside, and that's why I'm standing. I've learned to let my name go forward. I've not been happy with this government. The outgoing government has been overspending. 
We've got longer waiting lists, we've had broken promises, minimal maintenance, and we now have a bigger public sector than we've ever had before, with an increase in salary over the last five years of something like £45 million. I think this government is out of touch with the people at the moment, and there's no feel-good factor on the island that has been, there was for years. Leo Cousins. Master Mai, I expect our political representatives to represent people. This means having the finger on the pulse. No amount of surveys or third-party reports can take away the fact of someone taking responsibility. It is this culture we must create and enable. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen if you want to. I get my points across simply with common sense and sincerity. I have been advocating these issues in public for the last five years as a Green Party committee member. We have made extraordinary progress. I now want to use my legal, personal and business experience skills to complete this work. For manifesto pledges to mean something, we need to work with parties that are invested in seeing the constituency succeed. Ray Harmer. Thank you. It's been an honour to represent and support the people of Glenfaber and Peel as you're elected MHK for the last five years. The, re the resilience of our community and support for, for each other has been remarkable as we've weathered the storms of COVID and Brexit. As policy reform minister, I've been looking to the future to re-energise our economy and, re and seize new opportunities through technology and green initiatives to enable our island to flourish. While there's been much progress on many projects that, that I have driven, there, there's still much, so much more to do and complete. I've built relationships across the government and in local community and worked hard behind the scenes to influence to get things done. I've made vital decisions and persevered to see them come to fruition. My hope is that you'll continue to trust me to represent you well. Kate Lord Brennan. We need hope and change, Andy, hope and change. I'm standing so people have a distinct choice in Glen Faber and Peel. It's a hugely important time ahead for us on the Isle of Man, and I feel I can play a very active and a positive role in that, so I'm prepared to do it because I'm passionate about what happens here in my home constituency. I am interested in the different communities across Glenfaber and Peel, and I can use my experience in Timwald from my business background, but also as a working mum, and importantly as someone who cares and who challenges and to make a difference as a House of Keys representative. I want to see a bright future for this island, and I'm determined in that, and we cannot mess about now. That's what motivates me. We need a change in Manx politics, the way that government works to deliver. I'm genuinely passionate about seeing things change and improve for people. OK, let's start at the bottom. Why is there sewage in Peel Bay, and what do you think should be done about it? Leo Cousins. So... The fundamental issue with uh, the Peel, obviously with the problem that's existed, and it goes back really uh, about 15 years, or even 20 years, that we haven't been able to sort, obviously achieve this, is uh, down to, in my opinion, down to culture and delivery of uh, these projects. If the culture, I mean, we only have to look at delivery of anything by the MUA or, or any infrastructure projects, they are um, not delivered within time, on budget, um, within any of our expectations, anywhere near any of our expectations. So we, you need the executive to hold, um, the political representative to hold the executive accountable and to create an environment in these organisations that people want to work. And it's not just in this organisation, it's in a lot of organisations that people don't feel that uh, it works for them. OK, Tim Crookall. Well, we know why it hasn't gone through last time because of the planning issue with the inspector. He, he, was, about, he was going to refuse it, so the MUA withdrew it. 
know, and there are various issues, issues why it didn't happen in the past before that. We now absolutely need to grab this by the scruff of the neck and make sure, not only for the good of the West of the island, but for the island, as well as Laxey and Baldrine, that it happens. Is this coming up on the doorstep? Absolutely. Just about every doorstep is, you know, people are wanting to sort this. It's the number one issue. Trevor Cowan. The, uh, the reason why, why there's, there is sewage in Peel Bay is clearly that there isn't, it isn't treated. And uh, uh, Timmel and Peel Town Commissioners have been talking about building a sewage treatment works uh, for over 10 years. But still nothing. A planning application for a sewage treatment works was submitted by the Manx Utilities in April 2019, but it was mistakenly referred to DEFA, to the Council of Ministers, rather than to the Planning Committee. Coleman appointed a planning inspector and a public inquiry was held after 20 months and spend, after spending hundreds of thousands of pounds of taxpayers' money on preparing the application. The planning inspector's report was referred to Coleman. Can you see a clear way through this? Could I just finish my answer, please? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, however, Coleman was then advised that the matter should never have been referred to it in the first place, an inspector should never have been appointed, a public inquiry should never have been held, and Coleman didn't have the legal power to determine the application. Frankly, the whole situation was a complete farce. Contrary to popular belief, Coleman didn't refuse the application, it didn't make any decision on it. To avoid further, any, further legal difficulties, the Moor withdrew its application. In doing so, however, the Moor stated that the Glenfaber house site was still very much in its thinking. Geoffrey okay. Boot. Uh, thank you, Andy. Um, yes, I agree with you. We shouldn't be discharging uh, raw sewage into Peel Bay. Um, it's an issue that we all need. Uh, we all know needs addressing and we, we, we nearly got there this time round. Um, this is an MU application and a UK inspector who perhaps didn't understand the nuances of uh, uh, site selection decided that the MU had not considered other sites in sufficient detail. The good thing about this is the funding's there now. We have a, a, a plant that is designed. It's gone through the regulatory hurdles. Um, all we need really is a site and uh, there are already several sites identified whether it will revert back to Glenfaber House or site I would favour would be down by the power station in Peel itself. If a site were approved tomorrow, hypothetically, how long would it be before it, it would be operational? Well, uh, it obviously needs to go through uh, the planning um, process, which in itself will take several months, um, but then it's down to the MU and their contractors to get stuck in. I mean, they can let the contract almost straight away. So uh, it's down to the construction period. Kate, Lord Brennan. Just to take a step back, you asked why. I mean, really, in broad terms, it's because the regional sewage treatment strategy has not been able to be, be delivered. Um, that's, that's the bottom line on it. It's been promised that it would be quick. It's been promised that it would be cheap compared to other options. Um, there's loads to say about this. But the key thing I would say now that for any regional strategy, we need to have the cost need to include the extension of the outflow pipe and all year round UV treatment. So that's why I've been calling for a full, open, transparent reappraisal of all options. And what do people say on the doorstep to you? Well, they say they want it sorted. That's what they say. Ray Harmer. Yes, so we've had many twists and turns. We now need to make it finally happen. Um, there has been um, some progress. The money was got there. The strategy has been, uh, been, been approved. We've got the Ragate leachate linked in. Uh, the design, design is done. The environmental impact is assessment. The locations are, are, are there. Um, I was insistent that the Northwest Plan should include that because that, that's important. So next time it comes to planning, that that's in, that's taken into consideration. So we're we're on we're on track for early, early 2022. We just need to all now get together, not reappraise old options, but really just all focus and and make this thing happen. Is Peel 
a vibrant and forward-looking place to live. Tim Crookall, banks, post offices? No, it's, been, it's a great shame that we've lost all the banks and at the moment the post office is struggling as well. We need to be very careful and we need to make sure that we don't lose that. It is a great place to live, there's no doubt about that, but we need to be very careful that you know, we need more employment in the town to more make sure... More and more houses keep being built all the time. Do you think, is it out of kilter? What's happened? It hasn't been out of kilter up until now, I would say, because those houses have all been filled and there was a worry at the beginning that those houses would be filled with people from outside of town, and yes, some of them have been, but a lot of those houses are filled with people, children of Peel people, and it's great to see that, you know, Peel has extended up there, but we need to be very careful in the future as to any more extensions. What can be done with Michael Street? Michael Street needs everybody to work together, and that hasn't happened between the traders, the commissioners, the, four, the two MHKs we've got at the moment, and the constituency, if you like. There was no agreement, basically, and so we're, just, we're still waiting to hear about the uh, appeal at planning, but uh, everybody needs to work together on this. Trevor Cowan. Um, I, was, actually, I was actually born in, in Ramsley, but brought, brought up in Lexi. I thought Lexi was the most beautiful place in the world until I moved to Peel, <laughs> and uh, I've been here now for 50 years, and uh, I think it is the most beautiful place in the world. Is it a forward-looking forward place? It is forward-looking, it's very vibrant, it is busy. Uh, I think it's busy because most people in, in the island, they come to Peel be, because it is such a nice place. Who, who would want to go to Douglas Promenade, for example? Okay. Who would want to go to Ramsey Promenade? Who would want to go to Laxey Promenade? They, they, yeah, they're, they're not as, not as nice as Peel. Geoffrey Boot. Yes, um, Peel is looking a little shabby and it needs some regeneration. Um, there are some good uh, schemes that have been put through. The marina has made uh, the harbour area look a lot more attractive. We've got the House of Mananan there, um, but uh, we, we undersell ourselves sometimes. We need regeneration badly in, in Michael Street and we need to link the promenade seafront harbour area to Michael Street. Um, the appeal decision um, has already been made. It hasn't been made public yet, um, but uh, that will have some bearing on a direction of travel. Um, I worked hard initially with traders and uh, other parties, <coughs> including DOI, to try and come to a compromise with the scheme that was uh, originally suggested. But sadly, that didn't come to fruition. But we are, we, we, we're getting there, and I think we need to push hard to get it on. Uh, Kate Lord Brennan. Well, people are telling me that they feel that Peel needs to be loved back to life, and they lament the lack of infrastructure to meet the, the growing population of Peel and something that will, will meet, meet the needs of Peel. Um, I mean, I, I've actually come to the view that it would be much, you know, better instead of talking about the Northwest Area Plan to talk about a vision for, for a town plan, you know, that could be community led and could have full engagement with, with people, even if it was just something that was attempted. And um, because I think you need you need buy in and understanding of what people want so that things can go forward and have a place where people have their needs met and they, they can be excited about again. When the marina was built, obviously it regenerated down by the harbour from the marine right round. Everything got a lot better. And, you know, there are big housing estates being built. And yet voters, and we get it on the manual line, people don't understand why you can't join the dots together and get Michael Street. It could be a wonderful place. It has proven to be a difficult scheme. I think certainly the people that I spoke to um, didn't really feel engaged with that process, yeah. so therefore it becomes divisive and people don't feel like they've got buy-in to it and then it, it kind of fall, falls flat. That's it in a nutshell. Ray really. Harmer. 
Yes, so there are lots of positive appeals are fantastic. It's vibrant. Um, it's, it has energy. There's lots of things. We're leading the way with the Western Wellbeing Centre. The QT STEM block's got funding for it. East Key, which we talked about the marina, all of that, that that's going ahead later this autumn. So that whole piece of bit is going to be regenerated. Um, we've got, um, obviously, when the sewage plant is built, that's also um, there as well. We've had the doctor's surgery extended. We've had a new play park. We've had Westlands uh, being rebuilt. So there's lots of things to be positive and we've seen lots of creative new businesses um, come from Peel and also operate in new, new cafes and restaurants and um, obviously was able to get the funding for Michael Street for, we'll, we'll continue to if elected to uh, pursue that and work with everybody to get uh, to get a, a solution in that. Leo Cousins. The community appeal is fantastic and the people that live there and make the place um, you know I envied all over the island in some respects and we enjoy, you know, the evening light and such. But let's not kid ourselves. Um, it's not been, it's not good. It's appalling. It's been badly represented. Um, the list of projects is endless. If I was elected, I would certainly be asking for special dispensation, which I think is a reasonable request. We have an endless list of things that are not correct, and, and they're not even looked into. Such as what? Well, I mean, if we take, for example, at the beginning of the last uh, government, we knew the situations with the silt in, in the harbour and, and such like. It's an embarrassing. I know that we don't directly pay for it, but it's embarrassing that we're in a situation which has cost, and we, I, I say alleged, but I think it's a reasonable thing to look at about £6 million on the last uh, cost of moving it to the site, um, uh, which still has no end solution. So we're not thinking sort of now, and we're not thinking in, in a couple of years' time. So we're just pushing these problems down the road. And it just, it, it, it's unreasonable and unconscionable in a lot of respects. Okay, let's talk about healthcare and education in Peel and the likelihood of getting a GP appointment and also uh, the fact that Peel Cloth Workers is full to the brim. Uh, Trevor Cowan, what's your opinion? Well, the, the uh, Peel Cloth, the, sorry, the doctor surgery first. I understand there's six doctors, but I understand also that uh, those doctors are servicing the, the prison not quite sure why. That obviously has a knock-on effect on the reduction in doctors, a knock-on effect on the, on the waiting times to see a doctor. I think that's, that's unreasonable. Can't see why, why the prison can't be serviced from Ramsey College Hospital. And uh, I will be contacting Monk's Care when, when I've got the time to do that, to, uh, to ask them why, why, they, why they, that situation exists. What was the second point? Uh the rising roles in the schools in Peel and provision of education. Well, the problem with the the the, the, the roles in the school they've always been rising and it's never caught up with the number of houses they build houses and they've been building houses for the last 13 years, right? but they they haven't really invested in in the certainly in, in the cloth worker school which is the primary school they haven't put enough investment into that and the classrooms are getting getting bigger all the time and. Uh, there must, there must be more investment in the schools. Geoffrey Boot. Yes, um, obviously the STEM block at QE2 uh, needs to be finished and then I think uh, they concentrate on the cloth workers. There's room, there's a big site there and I think uh, certainly from my point of view uh, the, I would like to see that extended and modernised. I don't think it's really fit for purpose with the number of pupils there are there now. 
When it comes to doctors, there's a nationwide shortage of doctors, and that applies to the UK. Um, the Wellbeing Centre has, has come online, um, which is, is starting to join things up in social care as well. There's a big extension to Peel Surgery, which will allow nursing staff and what have you to carry out some of the services that doctors do at the moment. Um, but I agree with you, uh, the waiting times are too long. And uh, uh, it's a nation uh, thing, not just appeal. Kate Lord Brennan. Well, there's been a lack of investment in this area. Um, social care, residential care, on the point of the schools, you know, I'm, I'm advocating for an investment in an expansion of Peel Cloth workers. It's, it's, it's definitely needed. I'm, you know, well informed on that. Um, and also on the doctor's uh, point, I, I'm concerned to understand what's happening with the issues with the GPs and the appointments, kind of really what's, what is really behind that, because um, I, I fear it could be a growing issue, not just here. Seems to be going backwards. It does. I mean, and, and, and what I've, I feel as well is that integrated healthcare needs to work properly. It's supposed to be a blueprint for the rest of the island. Um, it needs to work to serve the needs of the community in a real way. Ray Harmer. Yes, so the, the Western Wellbeing Centre is a, is, is, is a, a real um, um, going forward for the whole of the island. It's a real lightning rod and something that will be copied. And it is the way forward in terms of integrated care that's focused around the individual. Obviously, it's do doctor's extension was, was a real positive. But obviously, there is a shortage of doctors uh, globally. But I do think we need to look at wellbeing in a wider context and, and, and also look at to see how um, we look at care much more we look we need to look at doctors and how we, we do we always need to go to doctors sometimes it can be a nurse or whatever and we look at a much more sophisticated way of dealing with care q2 stem block um is is a really good uh, project which also will allow entrepreneurship and innovation amongst young children but of course cloth work is an, is another area that needs to be extended leo cousins um, yeah, I mean, when I was talking to people in particularly New Peel, they spoke about uh, the, the need for um, proper, f so maintaining their own health, so being able to exercise, so making those sort of running courses, running tracks, reduction possibly of cars, or working that into a sort of uh, uh, environment that where everyone could sort of benefit from that. And of course, we know that uh, evidence shows that, of course, people being having proper active lifestyles does uh, maintain our own health and, and then it goes also into mental health so also enabling the other options that are around that will increase our mental health so it's very important that we make uh, uh, it vibrant and uh, safe. Okay Tim Crockle. There's obviously, <coughs> there's obviously an issue with the doctor's services you know everybody's saying three to four weeks especially in Peel to get to see the doctor and that's after being triaged on the phone and all sorts of things maybe we just need to start looking outside the block and maybe Doctor surgeries need to be working together, providing specialities and things amongst themselves. It needs a bit of blue sky thinking here because as somebody's just said, you know, there's a national shortage of doctors. So let's go back and revisit it again and get the professionals involved. Talk to the professionals and see what can be done. I don't believe that's been done. As far as the education is concerned, I think we've got two very, very good schools here in Peel um, that both probably need some sort of extension. Yes, the STEM block's coming. It's been coming for years since I was in education. That was put in the books. Um, and the cloth workers will have something in the foreseeable future, but we've just got to make sure it's fit for purpose. Okay, we're nearly halfway through, so if you could be brief with this, climate change and action uh, on the Isle of Man. Geoffrey Boot. 
Well, I put the Climate Change Bill through uh, Keys. It's a pragmatic approach that will see uh, net zero carbon by 2050 or earlier. Um, we're already in phase one. We've just consulted on phase two. We've got a citizens forum. We're trying to bring the community with us. There's a lot of work to do. We need to look at future energy uh, production on the island, and that is a decision that will have to be made fairly early in the next administration. Kate, Lord Brennan, does this come up on the, on the doorstep, climate change? It doesn't actually, that often I'm being completely honest, um, but clearly it's something the Isle of Man has to, has to deal with. Um, and we need to do as much as we can, as soon as we can, but we need to be very smart about how resources are applied and how decisions are made. Do you action think, do you think people are bothered about it? I think they are, yes. Um, you know, but it's probably something that is not when you say, OK, I'm calling around, what are, the, what are the issues? It's not, honestly, something that gets repeated to me. So there needs to be leadership, buy-in, engagement on this process. So because everybody is going to have a role to play. Ray Harmer. Yes, yeah, so one of the things that I was able to bring in was the Green Living Grant, which, which will help to support putting in, in better heating and insulation up to £6,000 <laughs> and 50% uh, grant, which will also stimulate the economy as well as providing um, um, green um, uh, solutions and reducing carbon. But I do think there's things that we can do very simply, and it's all about new builds. So, for example, all government buildings should have solar panels, new builds should have uh, incorporated uh, uh, solar energy. But, but it, this is a journey. There's a big action plan. There's many things that need to be done, and some exciting things to do with our seas and blue carbon and, and, and developing um, planted seagrasses to sequest um, uh, carbon. <coughs> Okay, uh, specialist subject, uh, Leo Cousins, Green Party. Yes, so surprisingly, for, uh, there's so many problems in Peel that, of course, people are concerned with a lot of different things. I don't think they have an issue with climate change, uh, but it's not being talked about on the doorstep, and understandably why. So we have to solve those problems first. Um, when we go out and enlarge into Glen Faber, I mean, people get it, and they understand it, they see the advantages. I mean, we're well aware that our emissions don't, you know, change levels worldwide, but uh, the, the sense in doing it is, of course, it will lower our costs, it will make it easier to heat our homes, and we've got to be a part of the larger community. Uh, so a lot of it is uh, what I frame as common sense, and people get that. Do you think the government's done enough? Um, I was quite surprised by the last report. Um, they didn't have it at the beginning of the last administration. Uh, we as the Green Party have advocated along with a lot of third party organisations and we've now got something. On a day to day basis, I mean, what do you think, how does the government's green initiative affect people on the Isle of Man in Peel, Glen Faber? Uh, well, there's different aspects. Is there recycling in Peel? Uh, no, that's a great disappointment. Uh, so there is obviously private, but there's not, not proper recycling as we'd like to see. Uh, that is an issue that people do want to see. I mean, it, that is something that, that they notice that a friend comes to visit us and they say, oh, where, where do I put this? And of course, well, don't, don't matter, just put it all in one bin. Um, the cost of it, of course, I mean, a lot of, like I said, go back to common sense about this. The cost of waste management is more than a, a third of your rates. Um, so it's an enormous cost. So if we can get that under control, uh, then you've got all sorts of possibilities, aside from the fact, of course, our oceans and, 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 and general litter. Tim Crookall. Climate change has certainly raised, uh, been raised as a subject on the doorstep uh, and, and the environmental issues. People understand. People un know we've got to do something, do our, be seen to be doing our bit. We're not going to cure the problem in the world. We're only a tiny little part of it, but uh, we need to be seen to be doing our bit. And we could be world leaders. Um, but people want clear explanations of what's going on, what they're going to do, and you know, some big decisions to be made in the very near future with regards to the change in the power stations here and where do we go to after that. Tidal power has raised its head probably more than ever before now, and more and more people want us to look at that. 
Um, Ray, I think, just mentioned about solar panels and government should put them on every building. Laxey School this summer is having a new school, or this summer had a new roof on its school. They didn't put it on there. Why not? Absolutely brilliant opportunity to do it. Didn't happen. But yes, we need more green schemes for the future to help people. To, how, long, how long do you think um, uh, Peel Power Station's got? Uh, well, according to MUA, it's roughly about 10 years, I think, and Douglas is about 15. So we've got to make some big decisions very quickly because, you know, time is going to run out. Trevor Cowan. Uh, yeah, uh, no, none of the uh, constituents that I've spoken to um, have any concerns about climate change. And when I press them about, about it, the, uh, the most main concern is the cost. Forty million pounds over the next 14, 14 years is a lot, a lot of money. And um, but the issue of climate change is one that divides opinion. Timwald has approved a climate change transformation program, which at the moment must be followed despite the costs committed so far of forty million. Whether the new administration will will prioritise the current stated aim of achieving no less than 75% of the island's electricity from renewable resources within the next 14 years remains to be seen. I, have, I doubt very much that it will achieve that. In line with international agreements, however, I believe that taking into account our particular circumstances, we should do our fair share to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and adapt to the changing climate in the most cost-effective way. Um, I do have, have wonder how efficiently government can make meaningful change when the transformation programme will be led by a project board consisting of seven politicians, along with a nine strong steering group, including the chief executives of all government departments, who will collectively manage a team of ten civil servants who will actually deliver the programme. Okay. Jolly good. Before we get to uh, questions from the audience, we've got a couple of minutes, so uh, a swift yes-no answer. We did this in uh, uh, Garth last night. Uh, should we accept Afghan refugees? Ray Harmer. Um, yes, but it, that may, we, it depends whether they're actually, um, you know, uh, need to, need to it's, it, there could be other alternatives about financial help, you know, so it's not a, it, it's, a, it's more important to, for them to actually get out of Afghanistan, if you see what I mean. Is there a need for them where, where, where they should go? That's the issue. And, and also, you know, it, it could financial help be a better alternative? Leo Cousins. Yes, in principle. Uh, good look at what. You know, I don't know, have no idea what our capacity is, but I'm sure that the people do want to uh, help people. We need to enable that possibility that people can care. And I know that obviously some people have even talked about offering their homes and such like that. Um, these, uh, we need to be a sharp government and look at things uh, uh, in that respect. We are a caring nation. Tim Crookall. Yes, I think we should. I personally think that uh, some, well, person, some of these people are very well educated in that, and you know, there's no reason why we shouldn't take our fair share. We've had forces, people go out there to work in Afghanistan, defend Afghanistan, die in Afghanistan, and I think they would probably want the same as well for Afghan refugees to come here. Trevor Cowan. I had this question put to me by Alman newspapers recently, and I gave him a fairly lengthy reply. Well, a short reply in the end, but it was fairly lengthy. Uh, the Isle of Man is, is, uh, is not best placed to, uh, to receive an influx of, of refugees. We haven't got the infrastructure for them. We haven't got the housing for them. We haven't got, if, we're, if we need interpreters, we haven't got interpreters for them. We haven't got school places for their children. And uh, um, if anybody wants to bring them here, then I would, I would say, yes, bring them here. But if there were people who, who are clamouring to bring them here, they should provide homes for them and they should uh, provide their, their funding. OK, Geoffrey Boot. Yeah, well, we had this question and we discussed this in uh, Timwald uh, when it came to the Syrian refugees and we were advised at that time by the UK government that we were unable to offer the facilities uh, that are required to, to deal with uh, refugees. So uh, I, I remain to be convinced that as a small island community we could take refugees and I would look 
to uh, uh, the UK for advice on that. Um, but we're a compassionate island, and I think we stand ready to do our bit. Kate Lord Brennan. I think that it's probably inevitable that over the next next administration, that one after that, that the matter to do with refugees and the island's role will have to be looked at. And then that's when you get to the what and the how. Um, but obviously there is a humanitarian and a caring aspect to that, you know, some of the points that Tim has mentioned. OK, jolly good. Right, uh, half past seven o'clock and we're live tonight at Peel Golf Club for Glen Faber and Peel with candidates Geoffrey Boot, uh, Trevor Cowan, Tim Crookall, Leo Cousins, Ray Harmer, Mikey Lee is not with us tonight, uh, Kate Lord-Brennan is with us. And now a question from the audience. Sir, your name and your question. Yeah, I'm Phil Matthews. Uh, this follows on nicely from your last question. It is internationally recognised that all well-run wealthy nations should be able to contribute 0.7% of their gross national income towards international aid without any impact on the provision of services for their own people. Some people think our 0.05% contribution is too much. This is one of the smallest percentage contributions of anywhere in the world and instead of arguing over how it could be better spent here on Ireland, Shouldn't we be asking ourselves if there might be something wrong with how we manage the wealth we already have when providing for our own basic public services? Tim Crookall. I think 0.7% is the accepted figure and we should carry on doing that. We do have an issue though with regards to looking after our own here on the island, obviously. Um, and I, in my manifesto, I, and I mentioned earlier, I think that we should look at reducing the numbers in Timwald and that saving could go towards feeding those on island Homing, helping to home those on Ireland. Um, but yes, I think at uh, 0.7 is a figure that we should be sticking with. Reducing the number it's in Timwald? 0.05 that we pay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We, we are on 0.05, not 0.05. It was, yes, what used to be 0.05. Okay, yes. what do you mean reducing numbers in Timwald? Sorry, it's in my manifesto, and I've said it before in Timwald, not, I'm not just electioneering now on this, I have said it twice in Timwald before. I think there is not a need for 33 members of Timwald. And if you reduced it by four, at least a saving of £1.2 million and the ongoing pension liability, and you can use that then for whatever you need. OK, very quickly, if we can, then, the 0.7, the gentleman's question. In principle, yes, uh, giving or being a part, if you want to be a part of the world and attract business, international business, we are wealthy. We have vast resources. Uh, it is good for our health to, to, to involve, uh, to be a part of these things. We see the things on TV. We can't just sit back and say we're not part of that. Ray Harmer. Yes, in principle, and, and um, certainly one of the things, so for example, the vaccine programme, the COVAX programme, where, which the island has, has given into and I've been part of, that's really important because that shows you that vaccines for everybody in the world helps the whole world to, 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 to do better. And also I think more educational resources to, to understand international development in schools so people understand the world and their place in the world. So uh, that's definitely something. Kate Lord Brennan. Uh, yeah, I think people are concerned about public funds and, and um, you know, how, how uh, the economic activity is supporting that. I um, had read things where I thought it was 0.6, so I may, I may be wrong, um, but I think in, a, in any case, um, I think it is 2.5 million a year, right. I think. Now, I think uh, we should be concerned with how that money is applied rather than sort of should it be a certain percentage okay. or not so that we can see that there is genuine value and impact which is clearly clearly important in the island's role to contribute but we need to know how or what not just to tick a box is, is my view trevor cowan uh, i've expressed very strong views about this in letters in the paper in the past um, i'm all in favor of foreign aid as long as it's coming in our direction uh, 
at a time when we're recovering from the pandemic and the substantial costs involved in that. Um, and we've got food banks, we've got homeless people. I really think it's irresponsible to be, to be giving two and a half million pounds a year away to, to a foreign country where we don't know where, where it will end up. It may end up in the, in the, in the, in the, 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 the wallets of, of the people who lead these countries. I just think it's irresponsible. Geoffrey Boot. Well, we've heard earlier about the demands on infrastructure, the National Health Service uh, at home, and all the things that need doing here. Um, I am in favour of foreign aid, um, but charity sometimes begins at home. And when we look at two and a half, three million pounds a year going off Ireland, when I'm looking and have been facing as a minister cuts uh, to various services in the hundreds of thousands uh, that will affect people directly, I am concerned. Uh, but I, I wouldn't like to cut the present level, but I think it needs to be really well focused. And I should say that people on the Isle of Man are very generous on the charitable front. And uh, a lot of people give to different charities on Ireland and for use off Ireland. So that uh, percentage that we're giving of uh, GDP, as it were, uh, may be enhanced by private contributions mailed elsewhere. Uh, your name, sir, and your question. Uh, Mike Derber. Um, if our financial centre or gaming centre um, or any ways that we have of raising revenue at the moment got a hit, where would the panel raise their money for the future? Kate Lord Brennan. Well, um, something that has been outstanding for the most part of this administration has been um, an economic plan from the Department for Enterprise. You know, thankfully now there is a plan that's in development and coming forward as a, as a result of, of a Treasury initiative. So we need to look to diversify the economy. That's really important so that we're not heavily reliant just on, just on one one sector. Um, you know, I don't think we need to be negative or overly concerned about you know, particular aspects, but clearly we need to be on a, on a good footing so that there is, there is more options. I don't want to put words in the gentleman's mouth, but obviously we're very reliant on e-gaming. Mm -hmm. And if that changed tomorrow, wherever the server is, is where people pay tax. So that could change. It could go to Kazakhstan tomorrow. I mean, do you think government's got, is, have they got a plan B? Do they know where the next big thing is? Well, there's a lot of emphasis around digital, which broadens out the reliance on gaming. A lot of the skills and the businesses that are involved in gaming, you know, can and do apply in, in a much broader way for an active digital sector. Ray Harmer. Thank you. Yes. So being part of the economic recovery group last year, we were looking at, uh, at the meltdowns in certain sectors and the potential 5,000 people being unemployed. Obviously, we've got that down to, um, to under 400. A lot of that is through being a flexible workforce by retaining capacity, retraining, internships, and also looking at always the next, uh, the new thing, so diversifying the economy. So, for example, in financial services, in medicinal cannabis is another one, looking into um, financial service deals with, with, with uh, New Zealand and, and Japan and, and places like that. And, um, but it's our ability to innovate and it's our skills are the absolute key part of this and, and, and as we continue to diversity, di, di, make the more economy more diverse then we can um, you know um, we can recover from any shocks in any one sector. Okay, Leo Cousins. Diversification and innovation are definitely the answers. Um, it's great what we have but uh, I was I suppose in short because I have to give a quick answer uh, I see the Isle of Man, uh, uh, the tourists, it's the beauty, it's the biosphere, it's the nature, it's the fact that it's something better than you get elsewhere. And I think that's our really greatest asset. And I think if we look at that in regards to farming, in regards to food and uh, drink products and beverages and such like, we have uh, some great possibilities there and, and a real simple example. Tim Crookall. 
a diversified economy will, will help, and it does help, and that's why we've been so successful for nearly 35 years every year, except for one year during this last administration's watch. Um, E-gaming at the moment is very well regulated, and that's why it still continues to grow. These companies now look for well-regulated places, and that's why the island is still successful, and the same with the finance. The island is also very good at being fleet of foot, and if we see changes needed, you know, it does happen uh, for the benefit of the island. We have a lot of high skills uh, here on the island, people with a really good skill set, and we should be using them more probably and taking their advice. Trevor Cowan. Yes, it was revealed last night at a meeting in Foxdale that the island has £800 billion worth of gas reserves uh, just to the south of the island. I, if, I believe that in, 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 uh, if they were exploited, with, that would create tremendous income to replace the lost income that you're talking about. So you would be for exploiting the gas field? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, well, and, and that's in line with government, government policy, which they announced in uh, October 2018. Okay, and would that in any way harm our green agenda? Or no. no. The, uh, the, in 2018, they were looking at uh, gas reserves off the east coast, but that would that involve fracking. Where would the gas be? Um, Brought, would it be brought ashore to the Isle of Man? It would be brought ashore to the Isle of Man and create jobs and income. OK. Uh, approximately where on the Isle of Man would it be brought ashore? Well, I haven't, I haven't actually got the exact detail, but I do know it's to the southwest of the island and it's, it's within our territorial waters. Uh, and basically, that's, it's, our, it's our, our reserves. And would you anticipate any problems in getting planning to put a... Well, a, a gas um, government, has, government has agreed that we should exploit our, our right. reserves, right? So government has the power to um, override any planning considerations. Geoffrey Boot. Um, well, we are already quite a diverse economy compared to the Channel Isles, for instance. Uh, we have manufacturing and a lot of traditional industry uh, that goes on on the island. But we are a very compliant jurisdiction, and that's attractive to people coming here. Um, they're, they're the if you look at what's happening at the moment, um, the COVID has, has presented opportunities. We're an excellent place to live. Biosphere was mentioned. I mean, it's a wonderful place to live. Uh, you can do nearly everything within a, a 10, 15 uh, minute journey. And uh, uh, from what I understand, we're starting to see interest in the island from people, senior people, businesses, where they can work remotely um, and be anywhere in the world. But the Isle of Man is a, it might be a preferred destination. Are you confident about the future, Mr. Boot? Yes, I am. I really am. Next question. Your name and the question. That's Jenny Kenyuk. What are your thoughts or plans regarding the future of public sector pensions? Tim Crookall. There is allegedly, and we've talked about it several times this week, this big black hole issue, but uh, that only happens if everybody walks out of government at the same time. We've seen over the last few years changes within government pensions to everybody in government, from Timwell members right the way across the board. Um, the issue is now being resolved. I think they're looking at people's final salary pensions and you know, trying to come out with what is best. It's not uh, resolved yet by any stretch of the imagination, but I believe in the next probably 10 years, and that sounds like an awful long time, but this issue has been going on probably now for, or it's been known about for probably 30 years that it was an issue, but it's only been dealt with in the last probably 15 years. But I believe it will be sorted uh, in the next 10 years. Trevor Cowan. I agree entirely with what, what Tim uh, has just said. Uh, we have uh, uh, what was referred to as a legacy of um, debt over for the, uh, the uh, pension fund, but it's not really a debt. It's simply a liability which continues to grow. And unless you have to meet that liability, and you don't unless everybody retires at the same time, it's not really a big issue. Geoffrey Boot. 
Well, it is a big issue, but it's one that's spread out over a long period of time. This uh, current administration has looked at this and made adjustments, agreed through Timworld, and the public sector pensions have been uh, reformed considerably, uh, which will make them more affordable and more comparable to the private sector going forward. But it's a slow burn because you can't suddenly turn people off uh, and tell them they can't have the pensions that they've been paying into uh, forever and a day. But final salary pensions and things like that will be a thing of the past. We should always remember that uh, pensions uh, throughout the Western world are paid from current account rather than reserves in most countries. And uh, we have sufficient current account to cover our pension deficit. So there's not this impending disaster that was projected some years ago. But people often look on, on, on the downside, often, and if the wheels fell off the economy, then the pensions, would, and, and the pensions couldn't be paid or couldn't be met. What would happen then? Well, we do have reserves. Um, I think we started the pandemic with something like 1.2 billion, which includes the NI fund. Um, we've spent some of that, uh, obviously, during the COVID period, supporting business, as we should, and people and families and the health service, um, and that will replenish. Um, I don't think the wheels will ever fall completely off the economy in that way. Um, the islands weathered some storms in the past. And in fact, as uh, Ray said earlier, we, we started this administration with more people unemployed uh, than we have now. So the economy is fairly okay. strong. Okay. Leo Cousins, uh, you have to make a deal that's going to work. Um, <coughs> if you look at, uh, for young people, they are the people that are going to be paying this as it's going forward. Uh, so there's a responsibility for the older people and the older generation to say, what kind of deal can we make going forward that's going to work for everybody? Uh, it isn't generally fair, and I think people can sort of see some of that. It wasn't done right. Uh, and the current strategy is, I would argue, failing. Uh, it's failing. They intended to increase the active working population. Uh, they haven't managed to do that, and uh, that is absolutely key. That is how we meet our liability. So uh, we need to focus upon those sort of areas, and that's quite a, a task. Ray Harmer. Thank you. So last year, um, uh, I took forward a very important reform, and that was really important because what that did was put, create a cost envelope. So now what people put in is what they get. So, so as, as the liability changes, the cost or, of pensions or what people pay in will increase. So that actually puts a cap or a stop on any future li liabilities. What we can't do with it, uh, anything about is the short term where people are retiring over the next 10 years. But certainly what that stops is it massively reduces that. So what people pay in is what they get. In addition, um, we've just introduced a voluntary defined contribution scheme and what that does is instead of having the defined benefits it's on what you on, again on what you pay pay out so they are the reforms that are ongoing and uh, have massively changed the pension or the public pension Kate system. Lord Brennan well, you know, I'm afraid that the, the reforms haven't gone far enough I'm, and I'm also um, of the view that Tim Wald voted the wrong way in 2019 when it was um, decided to um, not close the defined, defined benefit contribution scheme. Um, for um, the public sector. Now, I would hasten to add that this is not about turning off pensions for current public service workers. It's not about that at all. What, it, what it's about, the idea that um, you would have people on um, a, a defined contribution scheme is something that would be much more fair, much more equitable, much, have much more parity with the, with the private sector. Um, so I think that's the way it needs to be, to be balanced out. Um, and I think that you know, it is an issue when you see that there are, um, you know, we're reading that there's 4.8 billion in this public sector pension liability. Clearly, 
um, the public sector provision for new civil service joiners needs to be much more in line with what is generally acceptable. Okay, tonight we're at uh, Glen Faber and Peel for the Manx Radio mm. uh, constituency debate. And uh, when I said that the wheels may come off, remember, nobody thought the wheels would come off tourism in 1979. Sir, your name and question. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm... Oh, you're back again, yes, for yes, more. Yes, I'm back again, yeah, Mike Turber. Um, would the panel work as politicians running the Isle of Man for a basic working wage? Kate Lord Brennan. It's the, the idea that you could carry out a full political role um, in the way that you've described there would in effect mean that it would be only for people who could afford to do it. So that, that's the reality. You don't want to go to a time when it is in effect, you know, an elitist uh, career for someone that can do it. They're already wealthy and they can just do it on the side. The commitment and the level um, of, of activity and important decisions that are needed, you know, that, 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 that means that there needs to be okay. um, pay associated okay. with that. Okay, Geoffrey Boot. Well, um, you know, a lot of political work used to be voluntary, um, but uh, I think as Kate alludes to, if we want to be inclusive and make it uh, open to uh, everyone to participate, then you have to pay a salary that is uh, appropriate yeah. to the role to enable people to engage. For some people, um, the salary we get at the moment are aspirational. For others, uh, in, in top high-flying jobs, it, 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 it would be a salary cut, but uh, you know, the, the, it's a, a very complex subject. Okay, Trevor Cowan. I, um, I agree with what Jeffrey just said, actually. I think, what was the question? It was a question about working for the basic minimum wage, basically, um, for the basic minimum wage and uh, almost charity, really, do politics for charity. I don't think that would work. You know, if you want to attract people with, uh, with the, the um, intelligence and the brain to, to, to run the country, uh, most people would want something. Would want something it used to be the job. case that rich businessmen used to be MHKs in their part time. That was very. That was a very, very long time ago. The, the times have changed. Uh, the the Timbal has just reviewed the salaries for um, MHKs. Uh, my concern is that, um, that under the uh, the new pay structure, uh, I think it's now sixty thousand pounds for an MHK, uh, but they don't get any more if they. Um, uh, if, if they become accept, a member of the department, member department. Yeah. and more importantly, who would take on the DOI for six and a half thousand pounds a year extra? Tim Crookle. Yes, it would take us back to the good old days, as you said just now, Andy, about you know people who already had wealth behind them. Then they would be the only ones that would take this on. Mm. So I think that, you know you've got to have a realistic way to, mm. to attract the people to do the job. Otherwise, you will end up with you know nobody being able to afford from um, the lower end of the market, if you like. Um, who need a lifetime of looking after their families and supporting their families. But uh, totally understand your question. Though. Okay, Ray Harmer. Yeah, I think if you want to attract um, the, the, the people into the, into the roles and get a good, good set of candidates, you have to have a, a, a sort of a remuneration that's going to do that. And I think if you don't do that, you will just limit the pool of those who can actually... Leo Cousins. Uh, I think it's a question that comes down to ethics. Obviously, we don't pay our judges uh, minimum wage because they add a certain value to the service that they uh, perform. I can understand people feel frustrated uh, about the differences in societies. You need to look at your politicians and you need to ask questions about ethics and what ethics they hold and how they operate those ethics. Because every decision that they make from the manifesto, it comes from ethics. You can see that on the Green Party website. Okay, uh, we're going to be very quick. Uh, your name and question, please. Uh, my name's Linda. 
Um, I'm concerned about the falling, popu the falling birth rate, which we've known about for quite some time. Um, maternity benefits haven't been raised for 10 years. We have problems with housing for young people, with um, young people still living with parents and because they can't get onto the housing ladder. How would they, the panel actually prioritise that? In OK, we have to race through this because we're running out of time. Tim Crookall. With regards to the falling birth rate, I'm afraid there's nothing I can do about that, so I've done my bit. <laughs> but it is a huge issue, I know, and you know, it is one that government is aware of uh, and will have to sort of work with and just plan for the future, but uh, it's one, you know, as I say, government is aware of and will need to deal with. Trevor Cowan. Well, I, I share Jim, Tim's view. I'm 72 now, and I can't do anything about the falling birth rate either. Um, as far as housing is concerned, uh, there's been a recent review of the uh, housing, uh, uh, the, house, the government support scheme. I don't think that's gone far enough, and uh, I think uh, the level of government support should be provided should be increased, and it's imperative young people aren't priced out of the, out of the market. A consideration should be given to the feasibility of introducing restrictions on property ownership based po possibly on, on residency similar to that in, in, in the Channel Islands. Geoffrey Boot. Thank you. Um, my daughter's done her bit. Uh, my son has yet to do his bit in increasing population. Um, I think the key issue is we need to attract more people to the island, younger working people, um, but we also need to attract our graduates and people that qualify uh, across back to the island. I would advocate and want to have a national housing strategy that will look at all the issues around provision of housing. Ray Harmer. Yes, a number of things. Obviously, improved child benefit is one of them. Improved um, um, uh, preschool credits for schools, but also increasing unaffordable housing, things like a uh, deposit uh, guarantee scheme where the gov government guarantees the deposit. And, um, and also some of those initiatives like uh, the development corporation that was set up to, to develop new housing for the, the, and areas such as the old nurses block in Douglas and things like that, that could provide uh, increased housing. So it's increasing the supply, uh, it's looking at our planning system and also more work on affordable Kate Lord-Brennan. Um, you know, young people and growing families needs a proper focus, I think. And it's interesting, the responses that we've had. It's joke, you know, sort of in a jokey way, but actually it's a really difficult uh, issue to talk about. You know, this, this issue that is referred to as the low fertility um, rate. So, I mean, my view is that you need to have a proper look at the sort of policies that would make a difference to this. Um, I, I would definitely support an increase to maternity allowance. However, I don't just think it's about, about benefits, but we need a proper, clear and positive offering for young people okay. and, and mums and babies. Very quickly, if you can, Leo Cousins. Uh, yes, so the very uh, interesting points of maternity pay, it is the biggest issue. I mean, society depends upon us getting at this right. Peel does us proud. Our schools are packed, so we're pleased in that respect. But uh, maternity pay needs to be increased. The whole question around that and how we look after children, we need to create an environment where uh, families can do that and have the freedom and the, that it works for both partners in, in a modern uh, democracy. Now comes the time where the candidates have one minute to talk to you, their voters, as to why they should be one of the two MHKs for playing Faber and Peel. Kate Lord Brennan. I will work to serve the people and fight for the interests of this constituency and the best interests of the island. I can see what needs to be fixed and focused on. We need systematic change and I will work with others in an endeavour to ensure that people are at the heart of policy making and at the forefront of effective service delivery if those decisions come my way. No doubt the issues are major on a national and a local level, but I believe now is a chance for a reset of approach, a fresh direction which is positive and gratifying 
grasped opportunity amidst challenge. That is why I say we need to renew, to revive and reform. We can do this. I give my commitment to pursue this in the service of Glen Faber and Peel and the island if elected. I have what it takes. Back me, back the change that we need by voting for me, Kate Lord Brennan, on the 23rd of September. Mikey Lee is not with us tonight. Ray Harmer. Thank you. My approach is to be open, honest and ready to listen. I believe in making the island an even better place for everyone. As Policy and Reform Minister, I've been looking to re-energise our economy following COVID-19, securing jobs and seizing new opportunities through technology and green initiatives. I believe in putting people first and caring for individuals. For me, constituency work is of the highest importance, giving people a voice in Timwald and helping them in the day-to-day. I believe in not avoiding difficult challenges, but embracing and solving them. I was able to engage with others to inquire funding in 2019 for a desperately needed sewage plant in Peel. The location is to be approved in early 2022 and construction should start later in the year. Over the last six years, I've gained valuable experiences of the processes of government, which can be frustrating at times, but it's knowing how to navigate and persevere to get a policy adopted or a project completed for the benefit of our community. I hope that you'll continue to trust me to represent you well and vote for me on September the 23rd. From the Green Party, Leo Cousins. Thank you all uh, for tonight. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Um, if you do not vote Green now, perhaps we never will. If you do not vote to rebuild the Corran home, the opportunity will go. If you do not vote to stop corruption and coronism, it will not stop. If you do not vote for a proper bus service, we will never get one. If you do not vote for the young in mind, they will leave the island. If you do not vote for a campaign for responsibility in government, it will never happen. If you do not vote to protect the biosphere and enshrine it in law, we will have no nature. If you do not solve the housing and the problem uh, associated with it, then our society will fail. I have great faith in the residents of Glen Faber and Peel to engage in these issues and help others do the same in making a choice in being part of a new era of health, prosperity and community. On the 23rd of September, I have two words for you. Vote Leo. Tim Crookall. I have a lot of experience, energy, enthusiasm and <coughs> personal skills to offer the people of Glen Faber and Peel and the Isle of Man and that is why I put my name forward as a candidate in this election. Please do not forget how this outgoing government has let us down with overspending, longer waiting lists, broken promises, minimal maintenance and bigger public sector workforce and over £45 million added to the public sector's salary over the last five years. I would ask you to consider supporting me so I can support you and support the constituency in the island for the next five years. On the 23rd of September, please support me to support you. Trevor Cowan. Uh, efficient local use of, resource, of our resources together with truthful, truthful, open and accessible governance without blind bureaucracy is my goal. I have the knowledge to address the things that need to change, the courage to expose the issues which require changing and the wisdom and breadth of knowledge of the workings of government to ask you for, uh, for your trust to make it happen. I'm tenacious, I'm incorruptible, I'm direct, I'm, I'm honest, I'm experienced and I'm passionate. I hope you'll vote for me. Geoffrey Boot. Thank you, Andy. I'll keep it fairly simple. Uh, I reiterate that I come from a commercial business background, which enables me to bring a, a commercial as well as compassionate imperative to politics. I have a great passion for the Isle of Man, its people and the environment, and as a long-term resident of the West, believe that we can, working together, make the West the best. I support local businesses and uh, I've been involved in uh, developing businesses through my role in DEFA. Uh, the essence of a good politician is one that can join all the strands as we recover from COVID. 
I'm very enthusiastic about setting the agenda for a new programme for government that will reflect today's realities and uh, your aspirations. I sincerely hope that you, the electors, will give me an opportunity to do this. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of uh, Glen Faber and Peel, thank you for attending tonight. A week next Thursday, you will make the choice. You will decide uh, which of these five, and remember, um, uh, which of the six, sorry, Mikey Lee, of course, isn't with us. There are seven candidates. And remember, you have two votes. Uh, the second one, just as important, possibly even more important than the first vote. You may know who your first choice is, but maybe tonight's helped you decide who your second choice is. And this isn't the final word. Remember, the final word is from the people around here. They are your candidates. There are no MHKs anymore. These are your candidates. These are the people who will be your voice in Tinwald, in Keys, in the next five years. So I urge you to speak to them, maybe speak to them tonight, maybe when they come on your doorstep to chat to them, find out exactly what they represent and question them deeply. Now remember, there have been two, what they used to call requisition meetings, there's one left, and it's uh, Wednesday the 15th, it'll be uh, QE2 High School, Wednesday the 15th from seven until nine, so go along there as well. And uh, as has often been said, if you don't vote, you can't moan, so, Thank you for being with us tonight. Thanks to our candidates. Thanks to all the uh, technical team here at Manx Radio. I'm Andy Wint, and tonight we've been live at Peel Golf Club. <laughs>